Hi guys, it's me, Paula, and I pray, and I'm here to minister to you the Word God, and I'm glad to be back. Talk to you about what God hates. Did you know there's some things the Bible records that He hates? If you knew God hated these things, do you think maybe you would sit up and take notice? Maybe, huh? Let's look at them together. I'm looking at the book of Proverbs today. And the book of Proverbs is kind of an interesting book because it's like practical ethics or wisdom. It gives uh, how shall you live kind of things. You know, it has pithy statements in it. Um, it's uh, sort of something that everybody today is lacking. <laughs> I think sometimes about people, um, this book was written to in an ancient time, but there are practical sayings in it that we can apply uh, because it is the word of God, and we can look at it. But today, I was disturbed by something I heard, and I asked the Lord to show me. You know, whenever I ask the Lord, I say, show me, Lord. And I pray, or, or he always, the Holy Spirit is the teacher of the church. You know, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I have His the gift of the Holy Spirit in me. And you would do well to obey Jesus, receive him into your heart, and listen to what he said in John chapter 13, 14, and 15, where he discusses the Holy Spirit coming. He said, when I go away, I'll send you the Father's promise. And the Father's promise is the Holy Spirit who will teach you all things. He'll take everything that belongs to him, to Jesus, and reveal it to you. He's the revealer of truth. He gives us the truth. He's the guy that teaches us. He also comes alongside of us, the Spirit of the Lord, and comforts us. He's also our attorney. He's our advocate. He argues our case. He's the one who intercedes uh, through us. Through the, uh, we have a, a gift of intercession in us to pray for others, to pray for situations by and through the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, which is in other tongues, actually. That's the language of heaven, and that's been so distorted and misunderstood. It's an amazing amazing supernatural gift that will put you over in your mind. It'll put you over in your body, in your emotions. It's for you to edify you and build you up. But yet even that gift, which is not my subject today, has been distorted. This is what I call Christianity 101. So come join with me today. Father, we pray. We just humble ourselves that, Lord, that you would show us your word, Father. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and Thank you for being with us in the Proverbs teaching, the Proverbs wisdom today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Bible says in Proverbs, I'm going to go to the book of Proverbs. It's chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible, or you've got your phone, or your iPad, or whatever you're looking at, get to Proverbs chapter 6. Um, and it's verses uh, 16, 17, 18, 19. All right. So I'm going to start there with um, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. So verse 16 starts right out. These are things that the Lord hates. Now, that means he he extremely dislikes these things. And so I think we should take notice that an abomination is a very strong word there. And Wow, I mean, it means that he loathes these things. These things, this is vile to the Lord. This is something very wicked and sinful. It hurts God's heart when these things are in practice, especially in the church. And so this is what he's talking about. 
he says, um, for number 17, verse 17 says, a proud look. Now, if I say proud, many people have an idea in their minds of what that word might mean. But, you know, pride or a proud look or pride is at the heart of sin, of the nature, the, the sinful nature of man. Um, a pride, prideful heart was in the nature of um, Lucifer, the fallen angel, Satan, or the devil. We call him the devil. He had a pride that got him kicked out of heaven. <laughs> yeah. So, but pride is like arrogance. It's looking down. It's, uh, you know, it's self-will is what it is. And it's being smarter. Um, so you look down on someone with a proud look. It's a haughtiness. It's being, you think you're smarter. You think you're better than, you're, you're more this. You have a big attitude. Yeah, okay. Now, the interesting thing about pride is that it is the opposite of humility. Now, when I say humility, or if I say the word meekness, you would immediately go, oh, that's somebody who is so, so lame and so weak. Somebody who doesn't have a gut. But actually, the biblical term, uh, pri- uh, excuse me, humility, a, a meek heart, a meek is a gentle heart, but it's not somebody who is weak. I want you to get clear this up. If you're a guy and you're out there and you're saying, I don't want to be you know, considered humble because then people just like pick on me and take advantage of me. But actually... The biblical term means uh, that you have a very meek, not weak attitude, but you know who you are in Christ. You know what you're called to do, and you know how to defeat the enemy. And more importantly, you know that we're living in this world is not the real world. In other words, there is a world to come. Jesus promised us this. He said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to return again. We're looking for his second coming. When he comes back, he's going to judge the nations. He's going to set up his reign and his rule. Okay? And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So this isn't it. So people who are are humble in the Lord, Jesus, understand this, that this isn't all there is to, to life. There is life after this. For those who are born again and, and are a child of God and have received Jesus and repented of their sins, received the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that he paid for their sins, they're looking forward to this next life. When they die, they're going into glory. They have a new life in Christ. And it's amazing. Now, we are eternal, immortal spirits, so a spirit will live forever. Whether you live with your Father in heaven or you choose to separate from God and not receive his free gift of eternal life, you will live in a place that's separated from God called hell. And Jesus spoke about hell. You can't erase hell. You're, well, that was Gena or this is the upper part of Shoal. And yeah, there, there were parts in the Bible describing the pit of hell and fire and the names uh, the, regarding hell. But it is a place of separation. It is a place of torment. God is not there. He's not, he's not in hell. That is a place of punishment. But is God would God be unjust and unfair if you know he he allowed rape and murder and and um, you know all these wars and killings of babies and children and then say well God just says you know you don't really have to go anywhere hell when you die you just don't exist or you know suddenly you know there's no 
payment for what was done. No, God is a God of justice and mercy. So he's going to judge. So people don't like that. They just want to think of, oh, heaven, and they've seen too many movies, and all dogs go to heaven. In other words, everybody everybody dies, they go to heaven. That isn't actually biblical. You should really not believe a lie, because that means you're deceived. Okay, you're really deceived. So I'm just here to share the word with you. Don't get mad at me. I'm telling you what the word of God says. But back to the word pride, it's in the heart of man and woman, you know, it is the heart of sin. And and that is an arrogance of looking down. It is a selfish or self-centered, big, you got a big attitude. You think you're smarter, you think you're more beautiful, you think you're more religious, you think you're more spiritual, whatever it is, it's about you. And it, what's funny about pride or having a pride, a prideful attitude is, is that it's it's deceiving because you if you if you hear someone say to you if everyone anyone ever says to you I'm not proud, gosh are you kidding me you just you just you just declared that you are by saying you're not because pride is in the heart of everyone it is part of a sinful nature, okay and until you receive Christ in your heart and humble yourself, that old sin nature we got when Adam, our first spiritual parent and his wife fell from God's grace and sold out to God's enemy, uh, the devil in the Garden of Eden. We know in the book of Genesis what happened, the book of beginnings, that nature was born into when they exchanged gods and decided to sell out when she was deceived, his wife was deceived, he was deceived, and then Adam, eyes wide open, you know, fell with her and they were separated from God. And anyway, the the point of that is there is a sin nature, okay, but you can't erase it with good works. You can't erase the sin nature with thinking good thoughts, if you're hurting anybody say that, or or just let me give me ten rules that I can in self improvement or, you know, um that doesn't erase the sinful nature of guilt and condemnation. That's in there, okay? Now, your, your um, conscience is your knower. It is the decider of right and wrong. Everyone has a conscience. So I call it your knower, right and wrong. Okay? And, and when you harden your heart, and you, in other words, you continue to sin. You're, you've, you've sinned a lot. Okay? Not that one sin isn't greater than the other. They're all sin. They're all against God and all hurt God. But let's just say you sin and sin and sin over and over and over and over and over. And you keep lying to yourself and pushing that sin down and pushing that sin down and pushing that down and, and you know, ignoring it or purposefully uh, denying it. Okay, that's kind of how people are. And then they don't even realize that they're prideful. Pride just comes out of them. It just oozes out of them. I mean, it's, it's who they are. But they will look at you and think, I'm not proud, but they are, okay? So a proud look, it says God hates that. He hates it. It's an abomination to him. The next one says on a lying tongue. Now, you know, a lie is a lie. It's not telling the truth. It's not telling the truth. Someone who lies is not telling the truth. And in our culture, in our world, People lie about all kinds of things. They, it's just their nature. Like I said, they'll lie, especially today in our in our media, mass media and the internet, um, social media. People will tell lies. They just out of their mouths until you actually come 
to a confrontation, I say with yourself, that you're at you're at the point where you want to know about truth, like you really want to know the truth. There isn't going to be some guru is going to come. Okay, Jesus Christ is in a class all unto Himself. He is God in the flesh. Okay, you need to get over yourself right now and understand. God came in the person of his one and only son. He came to this planet, this orphan planet that was lost to save us, to rescue us, okay? And so when he came here, he came as, as, as he had the nature of his father, God. God is able to do this, by the way. He's God. So your God may not be able to, but the God, the one and only true God, the one God can do this. He came in the person of his one and only son, and he was able to be a man. Now, he had to do that because this planet, planet Earth, the authority in this planet was given to Adam, Adam and his wife, who later called Eve. Adam and Eve had the authority. Jesus, this is so clear in the Bible that God gave his man and woman. He he breathed the breath of life into them. This was his his masterpiece. He breathed life into them and into Adam and he formed Eve. He fashioned her, you know, and so they became a living being, a living spirit or soul. The spirit is the true person of the heart or the, the hidden man of the heart where you can't see your outside house or your body. This, this outside body is what you live in, in this world, your earth suit, (laughs) But your spirit is the real you, made in God's image and likeness. Now, the light was put out in our spiritual parents, and they were blocked from that glory that they had, the fellowship with God, and what they were given, because they disobeyed God. They, they disobeyed him. He told them not to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, the good and evil in that garden. He warned them. But prior to that, he had given them authority, so they were like um, masters of the earth <laughs> under God, under rulers under God. They had the power to take authority in his name, and they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They were deceived, and she was tricked and deceived, and he was right with her, and they fell. Okay, there's a lot more to that story of the fall in the garden, but right now I just want to point that out to you. So, you know, that nature, the sin nature of lying is in the heart not to tell the truth, okay? And you could see it all through the Bible where there were lies, deception. People will lie because they're afraid. But when you come to Christ and you have an encounter with Jesus, like you just call on his name and you start seeing who you are in him, how much he loves you, how much God really is a father, he's protecting you. When you give up, in other words, you finally really, really surrender to God through Jesus Christ and accept God's free gift. This is free. Gospel doesn't cost you anything. I'm preaching the gospel, by the way, to you. The good news is the gospel is free. The free gift of eternal life through God's one and only son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. When you come face to face with the fact that Jesus died for your sins, he went to hell for you. He rose up out of that grave. He was, was, was seen by his followers. We have record of him being seen and the days he spent on this earth with his disciples. And then before he went back to heaven, that's where he came from, the Bible says. He went back to heaven. He gave us the great commission or the call to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, all creation. So no one is left out of this deal. 
all cultures, all peoples, all nations go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Notice. So our, our job is to share Jesus with you, the truth of the gospel. And so people, until they come to that point where they recognize that they're fallen, the guilt, they can't take it anymore and quit denying it or quit trying to cover it up. A lie is something you cover to protect yourself because you're afraid, basically. So God hates a lying tongue. The next thing he hates is hands that shed innocent blood. Think about it. He hates that. So, you know, sometimes people in the world, I hear them talking about God. I'm like, who are they talking about? God doesn't murder people. Like, oh, no, in the Old Testament, he's a killer. He told the, he told the, you know, the children of Israel, well, you really don't understand what you're talking about, buddy. What he said was, this is a completely fallen place. And these nations, the Canaanites, for example, in the, in the Bible where it's discussed where they were so wicked and vile and they were, they were um, producing more children. He was saying at that point in the ancient world, you're going to have to go in to bring the God in there, the one true God. You're going to have to just destroy these cities around you to uh, take up residency. So they were going to have to physically fight the enemy around them for the Lord, okay? The banner over them was the Lord, the Word of God. So God couldn't just go in and wipe them out. That isn't true. He gave them power to go in and take back the land. So if you understand about taking back the land, the land was destroyed. It was perverted because Satan had come in there. It was corrupt. It was defiled. These people were defiled, okay? So God was appearing to first Abraham. That was who he appeared to the father of all nations, and he gave them him the commission, really. It's going to be through the Judah, through the Jews, would come Messiah, would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world, okay? So the people he chose to come through were the Jews. This is a recorded fact in there, okay? It's history. It's Bible history. So when he decided to do this and, and come in there, he had Abraham's ear. He listened to God. He believed God, it says, and it was accounted to him as righteousness, you know, then, then his son Isaac, then Jacob. Well, we see God coming in and bringing in a people into his promised land. He promised them. But there were cities and nations that were completely vile and pagan. I mean, these people were, were sacrificing their babies and children. They were demonized, man, everywhere. So to say God was killing them, well, no, actually, that's not true. God hates murder, and he hates especially the shedding of innocent blood. So that is not the truth. That is just not true about God's character. It is an assassination on his character, and I'm here to tell you the truth. So shedding of innocent blood, God does not like. When I think about babies in the womb and even outside the room right now, people are agreeing with that infanticide. That's interesting. First of all, it's not a baby. Then suddenly it is a baby, you know. So when is it a baby? You know, people have that debate. You know, when is, when is conception, when actually... Uh, you know, is there is there a living human being there? It's just a fetus. Well, I believe the time of conception is when egg and sperm meet and conception takes place. And there is this amazing spark, I call it, or firework, 
when God's the spirit is brought into that child, that baby, and the spirit, now all the parts, the DNA is unique and shows that all the ability to produce the child, to have the whole, the whole, all the baby is in there, but it's not formed yet. It takes about nine months to, to develop the, in the, in the development of that little baby. Okay. So when you take the life of an innocent baby, that is not just, that is unjust to God and an abomination. When you take the life of anyone who is innocent, in or outside the womb, it's an abomination to God. So all the things that we see in this world, stop blaming God, okay? He's our Savior. He came to rescue this planet, not kill it. All right, I'm not going to say any more about that. There's, I could go on for days about that. <laughs> so the next one on verse 18 is a heart that devises wicked plans. I want you to think about that. A heart that devises wicked plans. Ugh. Do you know anybody right now in our government that's done that? <laughs> I don't want to get political here, but uh, there are people who are set up a shadow behind our government that plan wicked things and devise wicked devices and their hearts are bent on doing things, like taking out our president, for example, that we put in, that we voted in office. They just can't get over the fact that they didn't win. But here, guys, listen. Anyone you know, a heart that is wicked and devises wicked plans, God is against. Do I have to say more about that? He hates that. So how could you say God is involved with these things, governments and kingdoms and our past, and you study our history of the world? He wasn't into these people who went in and conquered and raped and pillaged the people. God wasn't into that. That wasn't his thing. That was man's thing. That was their heart. And their heart was just like their father, the devil. Okay? And that's what the Jesus gave us a big insight in uh, the Bible about in um, in uh, the Gospel of John, he told this in John ten ten, the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. So he gave the thief, meaning the devil. He is the thief. He, he's the he's the wolf. Okay, and he's he kills, steals, and destroys. That's his his actual motive. That is actually his operation. How he operates. It says that's his uh, character. Killer, uh, a thief, and he destroys life. He loves to do that. That's what he does. But he said, I am come that you might have life. That word there means the life of God and more abundantly. Okay? So he came to give us life, not to take life. So death was not in the heart of God. In fact, it says death was in the heart of God's enemy. All right? The devil. You know, he is the death angel. Okay? So sin, iniquity, was found in him. It wasn't found in Adam and Eve. It was found in him. So wherever he's at, he spreads death, okay? That's the culprit. He's the culprit. So the next one is um, feet that are swift in running to evil. My goodness, a heart that devises wicked plans. And then the, the feet that are swift in running to evil. Man, I mean, these are people who are bent on running towards evil. I mean, they get up in the day and they can't wait to do something that's wicked. These are an abomination, they're sinful acts, and those things cause trouble in the world. People that run swiftly into evil and doing evil. Gosh, I mean, think about it. 
The next thing is verse 19, a false witness. Now, this is very important, who speaks lies. Are we having any problem with that today, guys, in the media? You know, a false witness, it's someone who doesn't tell the truth. They say they're a witness to something, but actually, they do. it's nothing more than gossip. That's what I see today in the media. It's no longer... You know, it's no longer real journalism anymore. It's just gossip and lies and backbiting. Someone who who says they've witnessed something, but they haven't. They have a weird perspective on what happened. It's a distortion of the truth. And this goes on and on and on, day in and day out. There comes a time, you go, wait a minute, God hates these things. We're going to put these things away, okay? We're going to put away arrogance, put away pride. Put away that attitude, vile, hateful, loathsome, wicked, sinful things that hurt God, ways of we think and the ways we act. The next thing I want to share with you is, and the final one is, and one who sows discord among brethren. Well, that's pretty bad. That one, you could say among the church for right now, because I am dressing the church. If you're not in the church, I'm talking about the body of believers all over the world that claim, you know, Christianity, that they're like Christ. I, I question that, but some are not. But it doesn't matter what denomination or non-denomination you are. It's out of one who sows discord among brethren. That can also mean among brothers and sisters in Christ, in the church, or in families, Someone who sows discord in the earth among this world, for example, big, big one. That is, that is um, something I want to talk about because that's someone who, sowing discord, when you sow something, you know, you put seeds in the ground and you cause it, you plant something. It's like a plant. It's an operation. You can think it's much more sinister than what I'm just talking about, putting a piece of you know, a, a little plant or a flower in the garden. That's, a, that's very minor compared to what people are planting devices and there are spies and there are people who are planting, you know, things to cause trouble in our nation and have caused trouble. And they devise wicked plans. So in the ground, they have planted these seeds because they can cause very bad feelings emotions, and people to become very angry in our nation and uh, with one another. So they, they sow discord. And that word um, discord is they sow conflict in our nation, antagonism. They're at dis- there's no harmony. Discord is like constantly quarreling, constantly uh, kind of conflicts, constant contention, constant striving. That's what that means. Does that not sound familiar to you? If it's not, if you're not aware, you're not awake, you need to wake up. Because those are the things that God hates. And people practice these things. They sow discord in the church. They speak against one another. They slander one another. They slander one another's reputation. They don't think anything of it. There's just, there's like no conscience. There's no conscience. Like there's no right or wrong. They have... They have hardened their heart and they have thought they're right because they're arrogant and prideful and they don't hold fast to the word of God. They don't, they're not, they don't have a holy fear of God anymore, you know? They, they have the form like outwardly, I am a Christian and I'm, I'm greater than this person. Hey, wait a minute. If you're not humble, you're nothing. 
And you know what? Those who claim to be somebody, honestly, the Bible talks about that, about what love is. It says, you know, if you, know, if you have a heart that isn't walking in love, in fact, I'm going to go there and read that scripture. It just dawned on me to read it. I didn't have it in my plan on my message today. But it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And many people have heard this passage, but they haven't obeyed it. You know? And, and Paul talks about this. He says, verse 1 of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Ugh. And though I have the gift of prophecy, oh, many, many people claim to be prophets, right? They know something, right? They can, they can tell you, possibly give you an exhortation. Actually, the true gift of prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and that is not the office of a prophet. That does not mean you are a prophet, but many claim to be prophets or prophetesses, and they're not. They may have a word of knowledge, our word of wisdom. They may have prophecy, which is really exhorting and encouraging and uplifting. But actually, it says, and though I have this gift, it's a, it's a spiritual gift. It's not something you're born with. This is a spiritual gift. And I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, wow, so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing so some of these people will sit on these platforms and say, well, I'm, I'm this and I'm that and I have all these gifts. Wait a minute. If you don't have love, this is the God kind of love, not emotion or feelings. Well, I don't feel, well, I don't feel like doing a lot of things, but it doesn't mean I act on my feelings. I'm led off by my feelings or by my emotions. No, we're to be led by the spirit of God, to be called sons of God, the Bible says. So, uh, and though I can bestow all my goods to feed the poor, so you're, you know, you're charitable, you're in charitable works, and you do give a lot, maybe you're a major donor in some area, or you're, you know, you're very charitable in your organizations, you're, you're an organization that gives a lot and helps the poor, or other things, you do other works, that, that's fine. It's not that those works are bad, it's that those works cannot earn you this love we're talking about. The salvation that comes as a free gift through eternal life, Jesus Christ alone, through his death, burial, and resurrection. So this bestowing of, you know, all my, or all, it says, um, I'm sorry. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. So this is somebody who's given up a lot. They sacrificed a lot. They might work with the poor. Okay. And though I give my body to be burned, oh my gosh, this would be a martyr. Someone who is martyred or been given up their lives, but have not love. It profits me nothing. So think through that a minute. It profits you nothing. It is not anything to your account or your credit. You can say, wow, somebody you know, died. They were martyred. That's horrible when you think about it, what was done to them. But that they didn't have love, they didn't do it for love, though they gave great amounts of money or they served the poor or lived with the poor or gave everything up, or though they had such great faith they could remove a mountain, you know, or though they understood they had a great mind, you know, they understood all mysteries, they had knowledge, great knowledge, right? They could have all kinds of degrees, okay? And though they had the gift of prophecy, that would be a spiritual gift, a supernatural gift, 
And though they even spoke with tongues of men and angels. He's not saying you don't or should not speak in tongues now. That is not what he's saying. You better not teach that. That is false. And that's actually, be careful when you do that. Because I know people on the internet, I know someone very well known who teaches against tongues. So you don't want to do that. That's another story. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Just a lot of noise. You could speak in tongues. Okay, so you get into a prayer group and everybody's speaking in tongues. And wow, you think they're pretty spiritual. But then they go out and they don't walk in love. They don't walk in love. They don't walk in the God kind of love. See, he's not saying don't do that. He's saying you're going to pursue love. needs to be your greatest aim. But then he says, I pray in tongues. And he teaches on the gift of tongues. I pray in tongues more than you all. Forbid not speaking in tongues, guys. Paul the apostle taught this. Some some people get in, in their high horse and their whatever, their platform, and they go on and speak against tongues. And I'm telling you, I've studied the Bible inside and out. And this speaking in tongues is a gift. And actually... People are speaking against it. You are borderlining, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You know that? Because tongues is not what we're talking. We're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit who gives the utter, you know, the ability to speak in tongues, the power to speak in tongues for other languages, okay? But the Holy Spirit is the gift. Jesus said, wait for the Father, Father's promise. He said, John baptized in water, but not many days from now, you shall be placed into and introduced into the Holy Spirit. And then later he says, you know, as he was going back to heaven, he he gave the great commission in Mark chapter um, 12. I'm sorry, not Mark chapter 12. It's another Mark, excuse me. Let me get my Bible act together here, Paula. Ah, Have you ever had a day like that? I'm just being real here, guys. Um, Mark. (laughs) at the very end, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he said, "Um, in my name, they shall do the following. These signs shall follow believers in my name. They shall speak with new tongues. That is in the word of God. I I find it so fascinating when people teach against tongues. They never teach on that. They never say Paul the Apostle spoke in tongues. They never say forbid not speaking in other tongues. They just quote cherry pick for uh, scriptures out like that. And it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ludicrous to do that. It's foolish because it's, it's laughable. You're not teaching the whole counsel of the word of God. You're teaching after your own doctrine. Okay, brother. And it's the doctrine of demons because Jesus commissioned that. And he said those signs would follow believers. All right. So don't go around teaching heresy. That's what you're doing. It's terrible. I mean, I am finding this everywhere, people, and I'm shocked. And people just go along with it. Nobody says anything. No one speaks out anything. They don't say a word. Um, They just let, it's Mark chapter 16. I'm sorry, I said 12. He said, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Yes, they were in the upper room waiting for the Father's promise. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit. It was about the Holy Spirit. And one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues. Boom, that's it. It's done. So I want to go back over to this whole deal, the finale here. I don't know how I got off on tongues, but I got over there. (laughs) 
<laughs> Those who know me know I do that sometimes. But speaking, I'm sorry, sowing discord among the brethren as being a false witness and also causing trouble, quarreling, conflicting, disharmony. That hurts God. It hurts the church. It hurts one another, and our nation is hurting. So stop spreading lies. Stop gossiping. Stop backbiting. Stop doing that. These are the things that God hates. It's far more beautiful. It's far more better for you to obey the word of God. I'm saying that, you know, love is the way. Paul the Apostle Paul that wrote that chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 on love, he was saying, this is the way. Do it for love. If you're not doing it because of love, you're doing it for the wrong reason, okay? It's got to be the love of God in you that is your motivation, the Spirit of God in you that causes you to speak in tongues. You see that? To give to the poor. Come on. Those are the things that, you know, you offer up your life. There are many people who have sacrificed their lives, and it's been for the right motive, and it is for love, for the love of Christ in them compels them. And that's the right heart motive. If it's for any other reason, for you, for you to have some kind of name or recognition, forget about it, man. You're on the wrong road, okay? So I'm, I'm straight up with you, okay? These six things, it says, yes, seven, these six things the Lord hates, yes, seven, are an abomination to him. So they're vile, he hates, he loathes, they're wicked, it's sinful. And he's saying a proud look, again, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Brethren means brothers or sisters. We're not leaving the sisters out. It means the family, okay? All peoples, all nations. We're not discriminating here, all right? So you don't want to be in that class, and neither do I. We don't want to be in that place where we are sowing discord and being a false witness. Woe to those who do it, okay? Let's stay humble, a humble heart. Humble yourself, it says, under the mighty hand of God. You're going to humble yourself. You're going to go low, go low. Begin to pray. You know, if you've got something in your heart, if someone's hurt you, there's something you don't agree with, that's okay. It's how you handle it. It's what you do with it. It's how you're handling it. God's not going to believe me. He's not going to keep on, keep on, keep on with this thing with you. You haven't given it or surrendered it to him because you believe you're right about it, okay? But if you are walking arrogantly or pridefully, insisting on your own rights, actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about, I didn't go further, and everyone probably has this memorized, I hope, if they're a Christian, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, love suffers long, is kind, love does not envy, it does not parade itself, That's not, it's not prideful, it's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own right or its own way. It is not provoked or easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. It says it never fails. Love never fails. Now, there are going to be some things when we leave this planet, we're not going to need. When we get to heaven, 
You're not going to need to speak in tongues, okay? You're not going to need uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit over there. You need the Holy Spirit gifts now, here. You need tongues now, okay? You need those gifts. So when Paul says, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Prophecies will go on in the past. That's something, we won't need the gift of prophecy over there in heaven. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So it's not, we're not completely there yet. We're not in heaven. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, uh, positionally in him, but we're not there yet, okay? By the spirit, we can walk in the spirit and receive revelation, receive prophecy, receive the gift of tongues, receive a word of knowledge, receive a word of wisdom, you know, do the works of the Lord here on earth. And when he says, when I was a child, he's not saying it's childish to speak in tongues, but he says, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I, I, now I became a man. We see through a mirror dimly, a glass darkly. But then he's talking about when we are on the other side, we will see face to face. But now abide faith, hope, and love. These things, these three, but the greatest of these is love. We know in part, we prophesy in part. But then he goes on to say, pursue love and notice the people who teach against these things. They don't read the next chapter as one. They don't read 1 Corinthians 13 and 14 as one whole piece. They cut it off. Continue reading. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. It says we're to desire the spiritual gifts, one of which is speaking with other tongues. So see, that is why those who teach this are false teachers when it comes to this. And they are borderlining. I tell you, it is very serious, guys, today, and I don't want you to fall for that, okay? You need a good teacher. I'm hoping to bring that word to you. Let's walk in love, okay? Let's obey God. That's the bottom line. These things God hates, but hates, but these things God loves. He loves you, okay? I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ for you that you receive the word and graft it in your heart, which is able to save your soul that this word goes forth and you rejoice with me. Thanks for leaving a comment. I'm trying to improve my website right now. It's not there yet, but I'm getting there. So I thank you so much for joining my podcast today. God bless. Bye.